Right, this is the uh, Interledger community call, the 27th of November. Um, for anyone who's joining us for the first time, just to let you know that these calls are recorded, so please be aware you are being recorded if that's important for you to know. Um, call recordings are put up on the website. Uh, the agenda for this call is tracked via the forum. Uh, if you're interested in seeing the agenda, forum.interledger.org or contributing to the agenda for the next call, look out for a thread where we will tr track the agenda uh, preceding the call. Uh, today, there is only one item on the agenda which was proposed by uh, Georgios um, regarding a uh, some API changes that he's been playing around with on the, uh, on the settlement engine. Um, so I'm going to hand over to him and let him uh, explain the thinking and the proposal, and then we can take it from there. Hi, yeah, thank you, Adrian. So, uh, can can everybody hear me well? Yeah, I hear you fine. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So uh, the idea is uh, around like adding two new endpoints, rather one new endpoint on the engine, and uh, two new endpoints on the connector. One, which is um, an endpoint for users to deposit funds to the system and one for users to withdraw funds from the system. So typically, um, and this is related like to an initial um, discussion which was on the forum, which I can link to at the end of the call. Um, so typically when we, like in the current deployments, the architecture is that every user runs a connector and the settlement engine, like they peer together and when they need to settle because they have reached their credit limit, their connector sends a message to their settlement engine and the settlement happens and the credit limit gets reset and so on. But if I'm a client and I do not run a connector or a settlement engine, and perhaps I run just a mobile wallet which has a button that says pay with the ILP, which makes a payment on the stream. Firstly, um, I won't be running a settlement. I assume that that client will be running a settlement engine. And secondly, I assume that once that guy has like some funds on the connector, they will want to withdraw them from the connector. So the idea is the following that firstly, we add um, a deposits endpoint to the, both the connector and the engine, which the user queries and the flow is user queries connector, connector sends a message to the same endpoint to the engine and the engine replies with some uh, endpoint, with some uh, rather like address or a lightning invoice or similar that the user must pay. And once the user pays, the engine's watching mechanism will credit them with some money. And this is the situation where you can expect that the um, user is configured on the connector with maybe um, a minimum balance like uh, that is over zero so that they cannot be in debt. They, cannot, they always have to prepay. So this basically gives the user, the wallet of the user to, to learn of the address of the settlement engine uh, or whatever like the user needs to you to do to top up their balance by querying them. Firstly that. Secondly, the withdrawal endpoint is very simple. It the user makes a post request to that endpoint on the connector. The connector reduces the tries to reduce rather the user's balance 
up to the um, like uh, by the requested amount um, as low as the the current configuration allows. And then, if that uh, if the user has enough funds, basically, to when she made that request, the connector makes a request to the settlement engine to settle to the user's address, which has been configured at account creation time. So um, this also requires a slight change in the account creation API, which adds an extra data field. So that when we create an account, it's just the ID. Uh, so currently, uh, and with this change, you, it would be ID plus extra field, where the extra field would contain any metadata which is required to identify um, the user. Does this make sense to anybody? Should I say it again? It's basically a top-up and withdrawal like a mechanism. Sounds, yeah, I, it makes sense to me. Any questions from anyone? Clarifying questions before we get into discussion? So, Georgia, your um, your proposal is that the wallet speaks to the settlement engine of the connector. Is that right? The wallet speaks to the connector's uh, settlement endpoint, and the connector then speaks to his engine. The so the endpoint is not at the. Of the, um, of Georgia, the I don't know if it's happening for other people, but it sounds like you're breaking up quite a lot, so it's hard to. Yeah, just that last little bit, you broke up quite a bit for me as well. So yeah, I was also yeah. thought it maybe was just my line. Right. So sorry. Uh, let me repeat. So um, this endpoint, the connector, they're not hosted at the port which we have declared that is only exposed on localhost for the settlement system. They're exposed on the globally exposed whatever uh, ports the connector exposes. And basically, user queries the deposit endpoint, and the deposit endpoint of the connector queries the localhost engine or whatever the engine is. So the user has only access to the deposit and the withdrawal endpoints. They don't have any more access to the engine. Okay. Um, hmm. So the so the result of the let's say de calling deposit is that that gets proxied to the settlement engine. Yes. Um, and the response is is an address on the ledger where you can um, where you can actually make the deposit over the settlement system. Correct. So it could be, for example, if you're using uh, Stripe, it could be like some Stripe uh, invoice. Or I don't know. If it's Lightning, it will be a Lightning invoice. If it's um, if it's Ethereum, it will be an Ethereum address and an ERC20 token pair, if it's using an ERC20 token. If it's XRP, it will be the XRP address, and so on and so forth. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense, like... As a wallet, if so, if I was running yeah. a custodial wallet, um, it would make exactly. sense to have a way for somebody to do that. But I, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand why it needs to be on the settlement engine, uh, or at least why it needs to be part of the standard settlement engine interface. Oh, okay. Um, because my expectation would be that, like, uh, my connector somehow. So, as a user, 
I need to get the address of the engine somehow um, if I want to top up. Like my thinking is exactly think that the connector is an exchange or whatever. Maybe I understand that we don't want to think of connectors exchanges, but bear with me for a second. Um, imagine that you're interfacing the connector as an exchange and you want to top up your balance on the interledger network. How will you top up your balance via settlement? How will you know which address to fetch uh, via the deposit endpoint? Um, so you're, you're saying that this does not need to be standardized. This could be like um, put somewhere as an extra feature. Is that the case? Well, I, I think like for custodial wallets um, where I'm going to deposit money by sending them so in, let, let's use, you know, uh, an ERC-20 token. I don't want to deposit my tokens on this uh, connector to increase my balance at that connector so I can start sending payments over Interledger. Um, if I don't run my own connector, so this is in a world where I'm not like running like a money B plus a settlement engine or something. Yep. I just want a single endpoint where I say, hey, how do I put money into my account? Yep. I think that that seems like a fair a, a feature that you could add to the wallets but i don't know why it has to um integrate with the settlement engine in a standardized way okay uh, so so you, you know what i mean so i think like it's, yeah, a, fair yeah, yeah. it's a fine feature to add to the settlement engine but I, I think trying to standardize it is like, it's not going to add any value for it to be standardized because the integration comes from the connector or at least the, the connectors systems, which are running the settlement engine themselves. Anyway, they, it's an internal connection. So how okay. you actually uh, get yeah. those address details, you know, it's kind of up to you. Okay. Uh, no strong opinions on the standardization part. I just want to get like feedback on the idea as a feature, like more mostly, like uh, the standardization, like in my mind is like, it's fine. Um, so, but you said that, um, how would that be done reliably? Because if I want as a connector to use uh, engines written by other people, I would need to wrap them with the additional metadata that I'd want to expose. Um, or rather um so 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 georgios for for me it, it comes down to like who the end user is um is it that you think that an end user just deploys a, an interledger connector and they have to do no more work which in my no mind, I, no I know right now i'm i'm operating i'm thinking in the context of there are nodes there are banks let's say each bank run, runs a connector and I, who am the user of the bank, I just run a mobile wallet, which is a, which is a dump client, which can do top up, withdraw, transfer. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so in that case, and I mean, this is uh, like- And I speak directly to the connector of my bank. Yeah, so, so our thinking there, or my thinking anyway, is that most custodial wallets already have other rails that deal with on-ramp and off-ramp of funds. I'm, I would be like, I like the idea, but I would, I would almost certainly say having done some like discussions with, with custodial wallets already, they, they want to keep that side of their stuff pretty much as is. 
And that's just the sentiment I felt. It could be different for other wallets. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, that's why I'm just trying to understand the use case. Is it like, if, it, if it's for already existing uh, parties, they'll probably, like, let's say, for example, Coinbase. And I'm not saying I've discussed anything with Coinbase because that's not the case. I'm just making sure uh -huh. that Coinbase already have on-ramp and off-ramp rails for, yep. for digital wallet. And then they would probably add some way for Interledger to be used using that on-ramp and off-ramp. How would you expect them to use this in their current system? Because then they would have to go jump around with trying to integrate it further and above with their current mm. sort of mechanism for tracking this stuff. Yeah, I, I hear you. Let me think about it. So the, the Coinbase flow is I deposit some money and uh, my balance on my Coinbase website goes up. So you're saying that, uh, and they have some demon that is listening for these transactions. So you're saying that uh, if Coinbase was running like a, um, a settlement engine, how would they identify like uh, which connector, which account on their connector? So Coinbase must run a settlement engine, a connector, right? Yeah. So how will they identify that um, the money to which account the money needs to be credited to. So, okay, that, 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 so, so that comes down to how people in, implement Interledger. Like for me, the, the I thinking would be that for Coinbase users that are connecting upstream to their Coinbase connector, they might not have settlement because you're connecting to an existing account that's pre-funded on Coinbase as a custodial wallet. Then they would have settlement between their counterparties on the Interledger network. Um, that being, say, like other other business entities or other wallets. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Coinbase they, runs the engine and does settlement with other parties. Fine. Like I'm just talking. Okay. So you're saying that basically Coinbase will have some integration with their connector, such that the balance is uh, pre-funded via their existing infrastructure. Th that's how I suspect a lot of it will go. That's been I the see. existing I existing see. wallets. Um, so like, is, there, is there any existing wallet which uses Interledger? Like, sorry, say that again. I didn't catch that. Are there wallets right now which implement Interledger? There are a few coming online. Um, I know GateHub have announced publicly that they are doing it. Um, they well, they certainly any that are where you can accept web monetization payments are effectively on Interledger. Maybe not fully. Okay, could yep. you please link this uh, link in the chat? Okay, sure. Cool. I will. Uh, I will see if I can find out from GateHub how much of their infrastructure is already public. I um, see what you're saying. So basically, the deposit and withdrawal flow should not be integrated because wallets already have that functionality. So in custodial wallet situation. So if I, yes. whenever I click with- That's the case, it's custodial, like that's why I just wanna make sure the use case we're trying to address, if it's custodial wallets already, my suspicion is most of the existing players would have it, though that's not to say that new players might not, but my- I was about to say, I was about to say, for example, let's say I have my own wallet and everything, uh, but I want to allocate some portion of these funds um, to the Interledger network. <laughs> Um, and I want it to be configurable, like, um, because maybe I want to interface with this connector now, but because they charge too much, maybe then I want to interface with another connector. I think 
it could be useful in that way. But standard deviation argument could like like the against the against standard deviation argument, you could be right in that sense. Yeah, and and I, and I know Kincaid's had some thoughts on these before. We've it came up with the settlement engine stuff on how to do prefunding. I don't know if you've discussed this at all with him. I read, I read, I read that uh, like he briefly wrote yeah. about that, but it was not clear to me how that would like. Yeah. Uh, I I believe code more than like words usually, and uh, it was not clear exactly to me how that would be implemented. So the idea would be that basically if I connect, like let's say I have an app that's a wallet, it would have on some level Interledger implemented and some sort of settlement because that, that sort of is the, the base, base idea that we would have. Um, and if uh -huh. you wanted sort of non-custodial uplinks, so this is for like, I want to connect, uh, let's say where there's very limited trust. The idea would be that you would connect and we have some way that you could like basically tell your app to pay into the, 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 um, into the, your uplink connector. And that would just reflect as your normal account balance. And you could pay, pay, pay. And if that balance was getting lower, you could just keep prefunding it to a certain level. There's some logic in the balance tracking. I think that you've actually implemented in the Rust, though I'm not 100% sure if that's the case, to allow for that. Then if you wanted to withdraw, you would basically have a mechanism to fulfill packets to yourself. And that would be, and then that would trigger the settlement engine to, um, to, to basically settle you because now it owes you money because you've decided that that, right, that, was, that was the part that I missed. What, uh, how does the like fulfilling packets to yourself part look like? Basically you send a packet that's addressed to yourself. Okay. And uh, why would that trigger settlement? Because well, the connector will then basically see that, Oh, it's going to send a packet to you and there would be some sort of settlement level that would say it. Now I, I'm not 100% certain on the particulars here. I'm like really talking off the cuff of, some, of a conversation we had like three or four months ago. So like, uh -huh. I, I, but okay, okay. I think he, I think Kincaid has worked through some of the, the, the sort of the mental exercises of how this would work. He would be far better to actually comment on this than I. Um, though I think that's how he thought of non-custodial type of systems. And that way the settlement engine doesn't have to actually change for the APIs um, because essentially it would just be the same as is right now. Right, so I guess I guess it makes sense to say that what I have implemented basically is a wallet on the connector. Uh, is the wallet functionality of the deposit and the withdrawals on the connector, and clearly there is no need to standardize around that, but it could make sense as a feature to have. Yes, correct. So the question would be for me, like I would say, is there no way you can make this as like another crate rather than building it straight into the city? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. that would be far more appealing to, for me anyway, that basically like settlement engines can still stay how they are, but like the Rust Connect, if I enable this crate or this extra extension, basically I can have that the, the connector also does custodial like sort of tracking for me out of the box. Right, I need some way to basically take the engine and just wrap it, like do a monkey patch of some sort, like if yeah. you will, um, that says, yeah, 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 I hear you. Yeah, okay, the, this makes sense to me. Yeah, though the, the I see Kincaid just joined, so I don't know if uh, he wants to, to maybe add some two cents, but he might be a bit lost in the conversation right now. I am kind of convinced uh, so far, but I'd really like to hear like the full story also from uh, Kincaid's perspective. If uh, if he's down for it, yeah, sure. Sorry, so Kincaid. Uh, just moving. before you joined, we were we were just talking about.
how would you achieve deposit and withdrawal functionality if you didn't have these explicit endpoints? And I, and I think Matt was explaining that, you know, you would, when you connect to the connector as a peer, um, as a child peer, you can send it ILP packets and those can be addressed to yourself, for example, and you can fulfill those as a way to reduce your balance, but then trigger settlement to yourself and things like that. So I don't know if you wanted to provide a bit more color and explanation about how you were thinking about that. Yeah, so th that would actually kind of be my probably preferred approach uh, to go about implementing this. Um, like I think custodial connectors should expose, like it's very important that custodial connectors expose ILP access. Um, and if we need some kind of, and probably need some kind of like application layer library, kind of like the Interledger JS ILP module, that lets makes it really easy for developers to send payments anyway. Um, and one idea is like that could also make it easy to bundle like a light in quotes, like settlement engine with it um, to be able to send messages to the provider settlement engine to exchange addresses and do kind of some very simple coordination related to like hey, this is, my, uh, this is the address I want to withdraw to or initiate the withdrawal or what's the status of the withdrawal, whatever. Um, it seems like kind of the core question is more around like how that front end wallet communicates with the provider's settlement engine. Like, is this through like a specific set of APIs between the connector and the settlement engine and then that the connector then exposes, which seems to be what was kind of proposed and what Georgios implemented. Uh, does it use ILP peer.settle packets, which just kind of the normal settlement engine flow? Um, or one other kind of approach to this I was thinking um, is connectors could have like a, if, if, if we didn't for some reason want to bundle ILP in that like interledger uh, transport related things in that, uh, uh, front-end wallet, one other way to approach this is the connector could have an endpoint um, to uh, forward settlement messages to the uh, its settlement engine for a particular account. So you post your, me your JSON message to accounts slash ID slash settlement message or whatever, and then it forwards that to the settlement engine as a message. And that would allow you to exchange arbitrary information related to deposits, withdrawals, um, uh, whatever, without kind of defining a very rigid interface for whatever that is that then the connector has to implement. Right, because currently the messages endpoint always is, is used like to speak with the Pierce engine. Right, yeah. so yeah. how do, do we need can we somehow specify that the current messages endpoint can be used to just send data to our engine without it going to the Pierce engine? Um, or should we have like um, a different endpoint? Yeah, so, so it would still, like the connector would still call the messages endpoint on the settlement engine. The idea okay. is instead of like proxying those messages through ILP packets, the connector could just have like another publicly facing endpoint that lets the peer, uh, in this case, like the front end wallet, 
send messages to it. Um, mm -hmm. If that would be simpler than like bundling, uh, like an ILP library. Yeah, yeah no, I, I I hear you. I understand that. So the flow would look like, um, let's say, create account. If I want to create an account that I don't, that there's no engine for, and um, the flow would be user calls that connector sends a message to the engine and the, because that message has some certain like prefix the engine does not try to ping any peer it just like does whatever it has to do with that message is that yeah yeah like, yeah right and um the same in the case of withdrawals like the connector exposes a withdrawal endpoint the withdrawal endpoint calls whatever it needs to call on the right. So for the withdrawals, it does not need to do anything actually, because it just calls the existing uh, yeah, settlement yeah. endpoint. Yeah, so, so it could also uh, have like, so this is one other thing. So you can, we can do like, I mean, I'm, I, I like the approach where like you just fulfill ILP packets to yourself and then that triggers a settlement. Alternatively, right, so can you can you elaborate? Can you elaborate on that? Because uh, it was completely not clear to me how. Yeah. Happened. So so you are you're peered with the connector. Uh, so the the front end wallet creates say a BTP connection to the connector. User clicks right. withdrawal, and then um, the front end wallet. Um, starts sending ILP packets through that BTP connection, but addressed to itself. So when they get to the connector, it just- oh, From the connector's address. That the other way. And then when the uh, front end wallet fulfills those packets, that triggers the uh, engine to send- What is the from, the from address? Right, mm -hmm. so the from address is the connector. Yeah. And you're saying no. that like once the from and the two address you're saying is the same. Yes. Will that wouldn't that leave the connector's balance to be my my balance of the connector like to be the same at the end of the operation? Because I'm preparing and fulfilling for the same account on the connector. So, Georgios, this works better if you think of balances as two different balances, balance receivable and balance payable. Like, once I started thinking, of, like, I had the same thought as you initially. Once I started thinking about balances in two, sort of in, two, in, in the two balance uh, paradigm that Kincaid's been pushing for, this makes it a lot more easier to understand. Right, yeah, okay. So, you're saying that, like, I, I cut off my receivable and I increase my, I cut off my payable and I increase my receivable. And once I hit the receivable like um, limit, I just like it executes the settlement. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I need to try implementing it, like to see how that would look like, or rather to see if the current implementation like supports that functionality because it's not exactly clear to me if it's supported at least in the Rust implementation. Uh, is there one in the call? Maybe. Um, it, it should. I, my guess is that should be supported. Um, okay, yeah, I haven't done it like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Um, okay, that answers my questions. Um, cool. Georgios, can you just give background to why? Are, 
but you're looking to push to add this functionality soon. Is this sort of like a goal of yours? Because if it is, maybe we should just set up a Slack channel, work through it, and if you're going to be doing I have, I, so the functionality that I proposed at the start of the call, I already have it implemented and uh, like it works. So uh, if you want to set up a channel and see how we can uh, like very quickly adapt that, or like see how we can have like a new like wrapping crate which consumes them, which kind of bundles everything together in a wallet connector style of thing, sure. But yeah. my idea was, but like what I wanted to have like was an end-to-end -end test which shows that like connectors are just connected to each other. They are in multiple currencies. Users are able to deposit and withdraw funds. Like I wanted to have like a big, big, big demo where you show how users deposit like make payments, withdraw, currency does not matter. Connectors have like very high trust limits with each other and they settle only in Bitcoin and stuff like that. Like I think that like at this point we should push for like uh, more settlement engines like very, very intensely and more like uh, front-end wallets, like connector management software. Like this is like very, very important things right now because the software works clearly. Yeah, so, so, so traditionally the, the experience has been with, the, it depends who we're talking about. If you're talking about traditional, traditional wallets um, or your current digital wallets, like a lot of the, the questions they're dealing with and the slowdowns, not technology wise, it's a lot of like understanding compliance, understanding bilateral, um, like uh, bilateral um, uh, sort of agreements that are going to happen on the live network. There's a lot of like other non-technological non yeah, yeah, yeah. issues that are actually being the bigger holdup now than the tech related ones. Um, I understand that, but it's probably like useful like for us to figure out like even like make a deployment on like on like three or four test nets like on XRP, BTC, Ether and like maybe Cosmos or whatever. Um, so that we can have like something that like we can like have that it's working. Oh, I'm with you 100% there. That's part of why we've got Rafiki Money to be a, an example of a custodial wallet on the test net. Um, yeah. so, like, I, 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 we support you 100% from that perspective. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and also like uh, in a similar sense to like how Lightning um, like has like some people are trying to make like um, management software which can be run in the browser, like for example, which shows which channels they have open, which nodes they have open, etc. etc. It is of paramount importance, like to get some kind of like software which allows a node operator to click two buttons and like get a full like picture of like what's going on with the node. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so, um, so from I think if you're okay, Georges, then let's let's move on from the discussion yeah, around the deposit and withdrawal. Let's let's maybe the, there was nothing else on the agenda. Maybe maybe a little chat now is a good like segue into what people are working on and how we can maybe collaborate a little better. Um, so I think Matt already alluded from our from our side. You know, we're building out this wallet implementation, basically trying to build what we think would be a good reference digital wallet. Um, as well as a bunch of reference uh, use cases. So Matt's done an awesome job there of building out a, you know, uh, you can go um, buy something online and pay for it with your wallet, buy, um, sign up for a subscription, 
um, which is funded from your wallet, uh, send a send a tip or a small donation, all of these kind of things, and we're using them as a way to figure out what the setup protocols need to look like. So you know, today uh, we do web monetization using SPSP. Um, we're trying to expand that and think about how do you do things like you know subscriptions, checkout, small discrete payments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we're doing that by building an actual wallet and hosting it. And you can go on there now, sign up for a wallet, for an account, give yourself a bunch of money and start um, playing with it. What we want ultimately is that that wallet actually um, is on the test net. Like as soon as possible, we'd love to connect that to the test net. Um, we're not focusing our energy on you know, building a connector specifically, but we want to connect our wallet to connectors and make sure that that works. So uh, would be great to work with you on doing that. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that we're not doing right now is settlement. So from our wallet, we're doing the use cases that we're demonstrating. There's no underlying settlement at the moment. We're just demonstrating the actual ILP packet flows. Uh, so if we had it on the test net with, settlement engines deployed you know using underlying settlement test nets that would be great as well um so keen to you know keen to collaborate on making that happen um any any word from you guys like what's the what what's current priorities at spring what are you guys working on um anything you can share about sort of roadmap and and direction like on the rust connector java connector um things like that right now we've really been so in think, the pattern of, oh sorry good go ahead good okay i was just going to say on the java side we're just working on putting some you know get, getting getting uh the java connector to a point where we're actually running against uh, traffic that's mirrored to make sure that we're actually doing things correctly, just to, to look at the data that we processed, compare it to what was processed in a real production system and see if we're you know getting closer to deploying with real production traffic. So we're just ironing out, you know, so, some of the, the smaller details of, you know, how do we deploy to whatever cloud platform we're using, how, you know, how are our containers set up, stuff like that. Okay, cool. Thanks, Ian. That's, so that's, I mean, that's on the Java side. It's basically like rounding out the, the feature set of the Java connector and, and it sounds like sort of production testing, getting it sort of production ready. Yep. Yeah. And I can weigh in on the, so on the Rust side, um, the main focus, at the moment is we have three users that are interested in putting the Rust implementation into production. Um, one of them being Spring itself. Uh, so we're going to be, um, we, we have a plan for a slow rollout of the Rust implementation um, to slowly replace the infrastructure that Strata has been running. We'll probably share more details on that another time, but we're doing that in a slow way just to make sure nothing gets messed up. Uh, and then there's two others. Um, one group is, is already using it and the other is, is interested in exploring it. So right now it, 
there's sort of smaller tasks that we're taking care of, but we're going to be meeting up in two weeks to discuss the priorities for for next year. So it's in it seems like it's in a pretty good spot right now. And there's like more things to be done on performance and scaling and compile times and and things like that. Um, but we don't have like big new priorities set yet. Cool. Um, is there anyone um, from the spring side who can spare some cycles to help us get like the Rafiki money wallet connected to the test net and running, you know, working uh, reliably so that, you know, our, our goal is that if you go to Rafiki.money, there's a wallet, you sign up, you have money, you start sending it and that is packets going over the test net so that we can get to a point where anyone who wants to play with Interledger, but literally just wants to create an account with some funds in and send that back and forward and test things can use the Rafiki.money deployment as a way to do that. But we also don't want to start running hundreds of connectors and things like that. Like you guys are doing a great job of that. So we want to, <laughs> we want to connect to your test net. Um, what's the best way to go about making that happen? So you just need a way to peer via ILP over HTTP. Is that the idea? Pretty much. Yeah. But, but like how, how are things like settlement working? Um, how do we get that set up properly? Um, it would be, be useful to brainstorm a bit about doing that as well. Yeah. The, the people who've been in charge of, of running the infrastructure at spring are will John uh, and now, Austin as well. So it may be worth reaching out to Austin. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll get Austin on Slack and see. Um, so, so have Austin and Dino joined um, Spring full time? Yes. I think that okay, was public. Cool. I hope it was. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> no harm anyway. Um, okay. Well, cool. Um, uh, that that's where we'd so we'd love to do that it may not be a priority at least for now uh for us in cape town like it's holiday season coming up and things are going to be a bit disrupted um but we're you know if anyone is interested in playing around with the wallet and giving us feedback please do and let us know um it's uh, yeah it's it's kind of a matt and and the team are working on it so it may break occasionally, but let us know if, uh, um, yeah, if you've had a chance to play with it and you have feedback. Anyone else working on anything they wanted to bring up? Uh, we've got 20 minutes, otherwise we can call it early. There's nothing else on the agenda today. Um, otherwise I can give you an update very briefly on like the open payments stuff that we've been doing. Okay. Uh, well, um, as I think we mentioned before, um, uh, we've been, you know, one of the things that we took out of our um, ILP web thinking and discussion was to really focus in on the settlement protocols and see um, how we can, you know, develop protocols that work well for different use cases. Um, we're starting to document that in a bit more detail. Um, uh, so if anyone's interested, you can just have a look at that repo. I'll post the link just now. Um, right now, we're trying to iron out the final details of 
this sort of updated setup for web monetization that supports a bunch of use cases um, that we'd like to see uh, enabled. Uh, things like being able to identify the provider wallet, identify the receiver wallet. Um, so some of these are driven by regulation, some of them are driven by different model, business models we're seeing um, being required out in the wild. Um, but I think for me, certainly the most interesting stuff that's going to start coming is how we enable sort of traditional use cases like online checkouts and subscriptions and stuff. So we have a lot of ideas there and we've implemented them, but they're not very well documented. Um, so if anyone has input on those, I uh, would really appreciate it. Uh, at a high level, as I think I mentioned before, and as I, we talked about in the Interledger web discussion, they're based on ideas from OAuth. Um, what's been really interesting is as we've been trying to figure out specific challenges with OAuth, um, we plug into the OAuth community at IETF and uh, various people working on OAuth and, and uh, additions to OAuth and realize that um, pretty much everyone is trying to solve these same problems. And it's mostly to do with like um, how OAuth does things like scopes and the sort of the, the inflexibility of what a scope is and, and how it's defined, as well as you know, how you authorize transactions. Uh, so there's a pattern which we use that's common in things like open banking where you sort of pre-create the transaction and then you go and request authorization for it. Uh, but there's work going on to try and standardize that. So um, we're in a kind of weird space where we want to just, we're, we're trying to decide whether we want to keep things really simple and maybe, uh, you know, use OAuth as inspiration, if you like, and not leverage these specific extensions. Or if we do want to leverage these extensions because it looks like that's the way the community is going. Or uh, frustratingly, there's a third option, which is a number of people working on this are actually proposing like a major revision of OAuth um, to support a bunch of this stuff and to deal with some of the ways that OAuth is being used today, like for payments. Um, so there's a guy called Justin Map. Can you remember his name offhand? Justin. Uh, I'm actually reading a Medium article by him, so maybe I can tell you. Justin Reicher, um, who has started a project he called OAuth XYZ. If you want to go read about it, it's literally at OAuth.xyz, which is kind of a proposal for what the next major version of OAuth would look like, and it's really it's really um exciting if we could leverage something like that for payments i think would be really powerful so that's sort of what we're working on and, and where we're going um if people have interest in getting involved or chatting with us uh yeah get slack on the forums post issues uh ben and brandon have been really helpful giving us feedback via issues on github so that's that's one good way to do it um, otherwise, yeah, Slack is Slack's a, a good option as well. I'll quickly post in the chat the link to the repo. Um, plan is to get this into sort of a more comprehensive document, maybe use DocuSource or something um, quite soon. Uh, but for now, it's just a it's just a repo in my GitHub. Anything you wanted to add there, Matt? Anything important that I missed? take that as a no uh we've got 15 minutes left is there any other topics anyone has or should we call it there
Yeah, so I've been kind of casually following uh, a lot of the uh, OPE stuff and kind of find a lot of this very interesting. So kind of get my head around how um, you guys envision this um, is, so like one use case that I find kind of interesting is like video streaming platform where you like pay per second of video or something like that. Um, where I imagine like the um, like the the front end web app probably needs to like initiate the stream connection so that it can have control over like the video pausing or buffering or like changing the rate um, and then being but still being able to like leverage the user's existing interledger provider or if they're running a local wallet. Um, um, which the user would probably want to authorize for some throttled uh, amounts or like uh, up to some limit. And I was wondering like, is, is that a use case that web monetization or OPEI uh, could support? And like, what, what would a flow for that uh, look like? Mm -hmm. so, so that's kind of how cinnamon.video works already using web monetization. Um, the so so one yeah side comment um we're gonna we, we're starting to refer to what we're working on as just open payments because apparently there's already an opay and it just raised 50 million dollars so it's gonna it's gonna start becoming very popular um it's actually a, an initiative from opera browser around um, payments um but that's just an aside so so on that specific use case um we that's that's what's pretty well documented there in the open payments spec already and that is basically uh we introduced the concept so originally we had this idea of like an invoice so if you want to start sending money you create an invoice on the recipient's wallet um and that's a way to correlate like the stream um the incoming stream to some sort of you know business logic or, or reason for paying like like why you know, I create the invoice and I can track income and payments against that invoice. Um, it didn't really make it a lot of sense for the streaming case because we wanted to have an idea of um, being able to top up, you know, pay money in, but then also track money being consumed as the video was being watched. And so that's what a session does for you. Um, what's subtly different to what you described is in our world, um, the payment is always initiated by the user. So the user visits the website that's hosting the video. They get the payment pointer of the website. They open a stream connection and they start sending payments. And then on the client side, um, the website can ask them to stop sending um, or get notified by the user that they have stopped sending or paused. Um, but then the website can get, can track the payments coming into the wallet through a standard API and can also ask the wallet to track spending of that credit that's being earned. Um, so if you have a look at the, the link I put in the chat there, um, how that works, um, it's pretty straightforward. Like the, the basic flow is, uh, I visit a site that has, um, that's serving up video. I take, get the payment pointer of that site. 
I create a session on their wallet. So using the payment pointer, I determine their wallet address. I create a session which has a unique identifier. Um, and when I get when I do a get against that session URL, I get back stream credentials I can use to put money into the session. And anyone who wants to top up the session can do a get on the session's unique URL, will get stream credentials and can post to it, um, at least stream money to it. And then um, the website itself or any other entity that wants to consume money out of the session can um, post to a spend URL related to that session and actually spend money out of the session. And uh, access to any of these endpoints is sort of up to the wallet. So a user may decide that you have to be authenticated to create sessions on their wallet or a um, wallet may be set up to only accept spends from a specific user uh, whatever the case may be, but it's, it sort of decouples the concept of creating the resources and then accessing them, um, in the same way that OAuth does. Um, Adi, I just want to add that something yeah. that we focus a lot of this on is that we take it from very much the, uh, assumption or not the assumption, but the, 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 the reality of the current network in which most like sort of, let's say if you're a, 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 like cinnamon, they're not running their own ILP infrastructure as such, or don't want to be. And a lot of these providers don't. So we're trying to provide common APIs that custodial wallets will implement that they can then use to, to leverage into Ledger. Um, just, you might have some comments on like how that might not fit into cases you're thinking of, but do, it, do interact with it. So just bear that in mind. That's sort of the lens we're approaching some of this with. Though I don't think anything we're doing is incompatible with doing it yourself. Um, it's just that we've tried to make it that it's easier for websites who are going to have a third party hosting their, their business ILP accounts to be able to do stuff like track track usage on a on a sort of a very fine granular um, basis as stuff is being consumed on their websites. Yeah, and and I would add to that, like even if you on the one hand you have the case of let's say um, a website that's hosting video and people are streaming that video, and the website wants to be able to query their wallet and find out how much money the user has sent, and then also track how much video they've consumed, uh, subtle difference is if the payment pointer that the website renders is not actually for their own wallet, it's for one of their users' wallets. So in the Cinnamon case, you have Cinnamon who's a platform. Um, the money that's getting sent isn't actually being paid to them. It's being paid directly to their users, but they still want to be able to track that that money is coming in. Otherwise, they don't want to show the video. And they also want to be able to track spending. And so you need to be able to support like, authorization in that case as well. Um, yes. And what we've also tried to do is define this in a way that it's backwards compatible with SPSP as it's used for web monetization today. No, thanks. I, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I get like a lot of those design goals and I think, yeah, the kind of posting, like making it easy for them to like post to spends uh, is, uh, uh, seems useful. I guess my question is more around like, is there a way for the merchant or application to control the stream rather than the wallet or interledger provider? Because it, it, it seems to me like there are a lot of use cases where that um, might be uh, necessary or, or compelling. Um, and I think that re actually relates a lot to pull payments. Um, uh, too. And so how, how does, 
how do pull payments kind of work in this model? So our current thing around pull is that um, it's sort of a delegated push and sort of a pull. Um, so if you want to pull money from somebody's wallet, you get them to authorize a mandate. So you basically say, I want to pull this money um, from your user's wallet and the wallet takes them through an OAuth-like flow where they give consent. And then uh, following that, you create an invoice on your own system, which reflects the, um, the payment. And then you can submit the URL of the invoice on your system to the sending wallet and basically say to them, please open a stream connection and send to pay off this invoice um, authorized under the mandate that I previously created. So there's, it's a combination of like an invoice and a mandate. There isn't an explicit pull over stream, um, but that's just how we've been thinking about it now. So everything is working over stream, but uh, the way you would initiate a pull is basically submitting an invoice to the other party and asking them to pay it. And if you've already pre-authorized that through a mandate, then they should just do it straight away. Um, and we could definitely extend it to, if, you, if there are use cases that come up, there's nothing, like our previous model was using like a mandate with scope basically by allowing an, a BTP connection where you connect with that, um, the credentials and they scoped exactly by sort of the details of what you've authorized. Um, though we're deprecating that because we're finding it's hard for people to, do, to use that. But we can definitely add it back in. Actually, that's less complicated than the way we're doing it now. But the way we're doing it now is less complicated for people actually using Interledger in current application type stuff. So I think, I think it's, there's going to be some learnings. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there's going to be use cases where you want that. And there's, there's definitely scope for open payments to, to solve that problem. Yeah, I, I would just, before we run out of time, I'd encourage people to try building some stuff with this like we definitely have learned a lot from actually building the POC using the wallet and, and like actually using it to to perform these use cases you you get a lot of insight then into where things are falling over and bearing in mind that there's a lot of moving parts here that we need to consider like when you see a consent screen that says you know whatever XYZ merchant wants to debit your account uh, for twenty dollars you have to know things like, okay, is that going to debit my account $20 or are they going to receive $20? If they're going to receive $20, what is it going to do to my account, which is actually denominated in XRP? Um, who is this merchant and how can I be sure that they are who they claim to be? There's all sorts of stuff that we're still like figuring out and dealing with as we go. Gotcha. Uh, one, one, one last question and I, I haven't put a lot, nearly as much thought into this as you all have, but one thing I found kind of interesting from your original Interledger web presentation was kind of loopback. Um, and one kind of flow I thought would be really interesting is like, if your like the web app uh, kicked off an OAuth flow to uh, create a new, uh, like with, so like the web app, uh, has the invoice information, starts an OAuth flow to uh, uh, a server can, uh, from exposed by the local wallet or the user's ILP provider that then creates an account that connects to the merchant and then the merchant streams money to themselves. And what I think is kind of interesting about something like that is 
we kind of need like an OAuth, or it'd be really useful to have like an OAuth authorization flow to add an account uh, just to peer uh, connectors with each other, because right now that process is uh, really bad. Um, and it'd be kind of an interesting way to reduce some of these flows, or reduce or simplify some of these flows down if you could add an account that was like bandwidth or balance limited and then use loopback, um, which I found kind of interesting. And, and yeah, so, so the, like the, the, the criticism that we had from people on loopback was that you were kind of forcing people to use a raw ILP connection um, and kind of mixing that in with sort of call it the application layer stuff. I also think it's quite an elegant way of doing certain things. It has, there's pros to it, which are you have complete control over the payment. So, you know, you're sending packets effectively out of someone else's account within limits to yourself and you're choosing whether to fulfill them or not. So you have complete control over like based on the amount you receive, et cetera, do you actually fulfill them? Um, the way the alternative to that is what I described before, where instead of having a, let's say a BTP endpoint that I can connect to and submit ILP packets, um, which I, which are then forwarded back to myself to fulfill, I have an endpoint where I submit an invoice. And then the, when I submit the invoice, the, um, the wallet actually starts paying that invoice explicitly. So I, I don't have control over the packet by packet streaming of the money, but I give you an invoice and say, please pay that invoice. And it's kind of under the same auspices of it would be paid out of this account that was that's sort of rate limited based on a pre-existing authorization. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I definitely like to get in more, uh, like in, into the discussion more around like, is raw ILP access a bad thing? Are there are there places where that could be, you know, potentially useful? Um, you know, what are the issues with that? Um, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so um, as I say, let's uh, we, we'll continue documenting stuff on that um, on that readme and and fleshing it out. If you have feedback, please let us know and let's chat on Slack. And if you, you know, if you have suggestions for a specific use case, please submit a PR with, with how you think it could work. Um, let's use that as a way to, to, to figure that out. Um, so we're out of time. Thanks very much everyone um, for joining. Uh, in two weeks time, which is when we due for our next call will be the 11th of December. Um, so I suggest we have a call then uh, if folks are available. Uh, and then we can reassess the, the following call is scheduled for Christmas Day. So we'll probably give that one a skip. But let's plan to meet again 11th um, of December. Uh, and uh, let's leave Happy it Thanksgiving that. to all the US uh, people okay, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving for you guys who get the day off tomorrow and Friday. Um, and uh, having a bit of an issue with getting the call recordings listed on the website. Um, I'm chatting to the folks at Spring and the docs team to see if I can figure that out. Um, since the website update, it's not working exactly as planned, but I'll, I'll keep pushing on that and let you know um, if there's any further issues. Thanks again, everyone. And uh, yeah, chat to you again in a couple of weeks. Ciao. Thanks.